for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, for this week, wanted to recap NBA free agency, also discuss NBA Summer League with uh, Victor Wembanyama's debut and the overreaction around that, and then also Damian Lillard's trade request, formally requested to be traded from the uh, Portland Trail Blazers to either the Miami Heat or the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so we'll discuss that and see what... Um, what package uh, Miami could actually put together to acquire Damian Lillard, but they, I mean, they're one of the teams that, you know, don't have that much uh, flexibility as far as, you know, picks and then also um, assets, you know, their assets as far as the roster goes. But, um, okay, so some not surprising news. We had um, Draymond Green re-signed with the Warriors for four years, $100 million. Um Obviously, great move, especially with the trade of Jordan Poole going to Washington. Um, that was the front office of the Golden State Warriors choosing Draymond Green in that situation over Jordan Poole because, you know, obviously that relationship seemed like it was untenable at that point. They kind of like tried to work through it and sweep it under the rug, but um, the entire season seemed to be derailed because of that, even though they made the playoffs and had a, a, a great uh, first round victory over the Sacramento Kings, but it seemed like that was still weighing heavily uh, on the team. Uh, Cavaliers resigned Karis LeVert, uh, two years, thirty-two million. I'm not big on um, Karis LeVert, but it seemed like Cleveland that was kind of like their only option. Like they had to bring him back because they need another sc- a scoring guard alongside uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, LeVert can get hot, but. Um, sometimes it seems like he's he thinks he's better than he actually is as far as um, you know like playmaking and stuff like that and then he'll he'll shoot like 30 shots any any night you know and you know especially with that like the roster construction of Cleveland I want to see Mobley touch the ball a little bit more I want them to I want to see them play in the low post a little bit more instead of being so guard heavy especially offensively uh, Kyle Kuzma signed for $102 million for four years to return uh, to the Wizards. So now the Wizards are going to have a duo of Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. And I, I, don't, I really don't know what uh, Washington's doing, but I mean, I don't know. They're, they're going to have some guys who, who can score the basketball for sure. You know, you're going to have Jordan Poole shooting like 25, 30 shots a game. And he's going to have some nights where he's going to have 40 points, honestly, like 30, 40 points because he has that ability. But as a basketball IQ is low and um, he's going to be inconsistent. He's a streaky shooter from the three. Um, doesn't have great, uh, you know, court vision. Um, Kyle Kuzma, I like Kyle Kuzma as a player. He, he definitely has uh, improved. And, you know, he seems like he wants to be in Washington. So we'll see how that plays out. But I don't see them, you know, moving forward as far as um, standings or anything or making the playoffs at all. Um, another g- good signing was for um, Bruce Brown. Uh, the just came off the championship with Denver Nuggets. You know, and he was really good with, with Brooklyn. And then Brooklyn, for some reason, didn't resign him. Uh, but he's a big that can protect the rim. He could also shoot. He's a versatile player for them. But they also signed uh, Tyrese Halliburton to a max extension. So I think it's it's five years, two hundred sixty million for Halliburton. And I really like what the Pacers are doing. You get a key role player like Bruce Brown. You sign 
Halliburton to a, a max contract because Halliburton's a he's a great player. He's like one of the best players of that draft class, which is was it twenty twenty? Because I mean that's the same one that Lamelo Ball was part of, right? But Lamelo Ball, we've seen you know he's shown flashes. I really like Lamelo Ball, but he hasn't been consistent and hasn't doesn't really make guys around him better. And that's what Halliburton does. Halliburton does make you know his teammates like the the team around him a lot better. Uh, LaMelo Ball also getting the max contract. Uh, but yeah, that's why I like the Pacers with their moves that they made. Those are really good moves. I don't know. I don't think that puts them into contention at all, but that's a that's a good move to where it's like not lateral. They don't get worse. They actually did improve, um, you know, because they did have to overpay them. They gave them a two-year, $45 million deal for Bruce Brown, which, you know, Denver Nuggets couldn't match that. And, you know, obviously... With, with championship teams, you're going to lose some of your, your core pieces for sure. And the Portland Trailblazers. So this was before the Damon Lillard trade request became public. Uh, they signed Jeremy Grant to a five-year, $160 million contract, which seems like a lot. But he was a 20-point-per-game scorer, so I can it does make sense. And, you know, he, he liked Portland. I thought he fit in well with Damon Lillard. And... The team that Portland put together around Damian Lillard this offseason, drafting Scoot Henderson. I guess we could talk about talk about it right now, uh, the trade request. Uh, drafting Scoot Henderson, I thought they put a lot around him where they could. I thought they could actually, you know, make the playoffs. I said that last year too, but um, I think it became clear once the Blazers front office realized, hey, we got Scoot Henderson at three. And because Charlotte took Brandon Miller at number two, um, who, you know, Brandon Miller, he, he could have a good career. You know, he had a great career at Alabama, but he's not like a transcendent player, I don't think. He's not like a face of the franchise player, even though you already have LaMelo Ball, who's the face of the franchise. So I get the thought process there, maybe, is that, oh, hey, we already have LaMelo, but let's just take uh, Brandon Miller instead. We want to take a wing who can kind of score in all places on the court. Instead of an undersized guard to play alongside Lamelo, but I feel like if you're Charlotte, you want to take the best player available in any draft because I mean you haven't been able to really move forward as an organization. You kind of shown flashes the last couple of years, but haven't been able to really progress. And at this point, like I said with Lamelo, he hasn't made the guys around him better. So um, I mean, I probably would have taken. At number two, I, I mean, I, I feel like uh, Scoot Henderson was the second best player coming out of the draft. But with your roster construction, maybe you trade LaMelo Ball and then you, you replace LaMelo Ball with Scoot Henderson, right? You could trade uh, the number two pick to Portland and LaMelo or something, and then you take Scoot Henderson. But I think once the Blazers realize that they're going to get Scoot Henderson, then they're like, oh, okay, well, we're not going to... We're not going to trade Scoot Henderson because there was already a report that Damian Lillard wanted to uh, wanted the the Blazers front office to package the number three pick and and whoever else with that to bring in another All Star caliber player. There was rumors about Paul George, but you know him and Paul George had that had that whole back and forth during the playoffs, and then um, also Bradley Beal. But then it was reported that Bradley Beal wasn't going to you know motivate Damian Lillard to stay with the Blazers so there there was like there's been a lot of reports that I'm not sure what what's true or not true but there's been a lot coming out of the 
uh, Dame Lillard situation. So, um, but I think, and from what it, from me, from my standpoint, it makes sense that he would want the number three pick packaged with, you know, other assets to try to acquire, um, you know, an all-star caliber player to play alongside him and Jeremy Grant and um, Anthony Simons, maybe Nurk, or you get rid of Nurk because of Nurk's, you know, injury history that he has. Uh, but then once the Blazers realize the third pick that they have Scoot Henderson, then they're like, oh, okay, well, we actually really like Scoot Henderson. We want to keep him, and he's going to be the face of our franchise. So now, you know, we're going to have to make the decision to actually trade Damian Lillard, right? So now they're kind of going through their options, and he's already said he wants to go to Miami or Brooklyn, which the Brooklyn one doesn't make sense to me because they just signed – or they have Mikael Bridges, who they're trying to lock up for, you know, a long-term contract because he's been he's been way better than advertised for them ever since the KD trade. He was acquired the K- KD trade, Cam Johnson as well, and you know Mikael Bridges. He's he's he was like averaging 20, 20 points per game, right? Plus with the Nets, and he was a two-way player. We saw what he did with the play in the playoffs, even though that team was way overmatched playing against the Sixers, but. You know, if you do make that trade with Portland, I mean, you're gonna get they're gonna get back Mikael Bridges probably, right? Because he's the best player on the team. So you'd you'd want to go basically like one for one, even though he had said that he wants to go to Brooklyn to play with Bridges. So that trade wouldn't really make sense because then the way that the their roster set up, you're gonna want to you're basically playing with the same team, the the same team that you know you have. In Portland, like who's already built around Damon Lillard? It's like, okay, are you really going to contend in the East where you know you have uh, Philly and then Milwaukee and Boston? You have all these great teams who are you know perennial contenders every year, but then if you're in Brooklyn, like I, I don't really see how adding Damon Lillard would make you an automatic contender. So it would basically be like a lateral move, right? And then as far as Miami goes, their package is basically like Tyler Hero and like two like two first round picks basically, like for the future. And Portland has already said they don't want Tyler Hero, so they're going to have to get another like a third team involved. And if you get the third team, then they can give Tyler Hero to somebody else and then probably take some picks, but it doesn't it doesn't really make sense like um Salary cap wise doesn't make sense. Also, like mainly asset wise, because they Miami they let go of Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent signed with the Lakers, and then Max Struess also signed with Cleveland. So they're losing all the their like well a couple players, a couple of their their undrafted guys who like really helped them get to the the NBA Finals. Um, but you know, with that team, with the Miami Heat team, they were obviously missing like another guy that they could run the offense through. Because Bam was never going to be that guy. Bam has never been that guy. Like he can, you know, he can get you 20, 15 to twenty points and a few blocks, and you know, have a double double. He's great on the defensive side of the ball. But for that team, they needed another another guard or another scorer who can kind of help uh, Damon, uh, not Damon, who can help Jimmy Butler out, who could be a consistent offensive threat, right? And I feel like Damon Lillard definitely is that with the Miami Heat. But they just don't have enough assets to truly acquire him. And, you know, this whole point of, hey, he he did his time in Portland, like just trade him to where he wants to go. 
sure, that sounds nice, especially because he, you know, what he did for Portland, the Blazers, and, and, you know, the state of Oregon, um, he did a lot in the community there. They never got to an NBA Finals with Damian Lillard. Uh, They made it to the conference finals, conference championship, but got swept by the Warriors without KD. Um, But he made the Blazers relevant again. You know, they had bad times with the Jail Blazers, and, you know, they had their moment there for a little bit with Brandon Roy before the injury. Um, But then they kind of just... You know, they had the Greg Oden situation, and uh, they were never able to find their franchise guy. You know, they had LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, he was never face of the franchise type of guy. And then they they, um, they draft uh, Damon Lillard out of Weber State. And right away, it seemed like, okay, this is, this is going to be, you know, face of a franchise for, for 10, 12 years, right? And this is going to be our leader. And, you know, he really took that persona of Oregon on, um, you know, was really loyal to the team, I feel like. Um, but, you know, it's a business, and, you know, it's all about relationships. And, and you know, if you're a team, if you're a business, and you're trying to get the best assets available, like, you know, and you have an employee, a player who wants to go to a certain team, but you're not going to get the same assets back, it's like, okay, so what do you do here? Your hands are tied. You want to do right by your guy, Damian Lillard, but... You know, there's it's a different it's a different front office that that drafted him, than from what what's there right now. So the relationship might not be there that what what you might think it is because they like Joe Cronin they're not even talking they haven't spoken since the first since he announced his his um, his trade demand. So that's nine days ago, and so that relationship isn't there anymore. So it's like okay. You want to do right by your star player, but you also want to get the most assets back. So, I mean, me personally, you know, I would say, hey, Damien, you know, we're going to try to get you to Miami. We're going to do our best. But at the end of the day, we have to do what's best for our team as an organization. My job as a general manager is to do what's best for the team, get the most assets back, try to build for the future. And you are our most valuable asset. So I'm not going to trade you to Miami for pennies on the dollar. We're n- there's not going to be a dollar for dollar trade, I don't think, but we can try to get it as close as possible. There's been other destinations floated around there. Clippers being one of them, you get Paul George back. I would want to get some picks back too because of the injury history to Paul George. Um, another one was um, New Orleans. New Orleans for Brandon Ingram. I would do that trade if I'm Portland because. Brandon Ingram is younger. Um, he's also a great scorer, and um, you know he could do a lot of things for you as an organization. And then him and Jeremy Grant, I feel like that would be a, a pretty like decent duo. Like you're not gonna try, you're not gonna be able to get you know like a Devin Booker for Damian Lillard or anything like that. But you know to get Brandon Ingram in return, and then you know you get a, a strong starting point guard. A, a, a number one scoring option back in New Orleans. But then the thing with New Orleans is that you would reunite CJ and Damon Lillard. So now you'd have a small backcourt again. And that was their problem when they were in Portland. That's why they got swept against, uh, they got swept by New Orleans in that second round because defensively Drew Holiday was all over them. He ate them up, right? Um, so that's another possibility, but I don't, I don't think that one's realistic. The Clippers one was pretty realistic. I don't know. 
um, how that one's going to end up, though. But because, um, you know, the Clippers are in a, in a tough spot as far as uh, roster construction where they are they have the option to either fully commit to both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard or you lose your two-star players by not maxing them out. So we have to kind of see what happens there. Um, another trade target was the Utah Jazz because of their assets. They have a lot of picks, and they have some some good role players that Portland might want in return. But now, um, this happened today, that they pulled out of, of trade negotiations there. And then also Boston was another one because for some reason, you know, Jalen Brown does have one more year left on his contract, but he's eligible for a Supermax. And so that's what the, the main discussion was. It's like, you know, after the the finals ended or after they lost to Miami Heat is that, oh, so you're going to max out two guys who are basically like very complimentary players, but they, they, they do the same thing, right? But so there's been no news about Jalen Brown. So if you're Portland, do you try to trade him to Boston and then you get Jalen Brown in return? Uh, but then his agent came out and said, or there was rumors that his agent said that he will not play for Boston. He will not play for Utah. And if he gets traded to a team that he doesn't want to play for, he will not report. Now, I don't know what's true on that. Cause then he posted on social media and said, Oh, I'm shocked at all the things I'm hearing because none of this is true. Um, that people are just making stuff up. So I'm like, okay, so I don't really know. We don't really know, but it has to come from somewhere. Um, so I, I guess we'll see. And, and Portland, I expect Portland to drag this out for probably a couple months, honestly. Like, he might start the season and still be a Blazer and not play. And then they'll probably just trade him, like, towards, towards like, October, November, maybe. You know, if, if they don't get, like, the right assets back in return. Because they're trying to get a third team involved right now um, to, to do it with Miami. But... Um, but yeah, I, w- I would just have a, an honest conversation with Damian Lillard if I am the GM and, you know, at the end of the day, we have to do what's best for us. You know, we will try to accommodate your request because you've been, um, a loyal, uh, player for this team and you have been, um, a great, you know, figure for our organization and, um, you know, we appreciate your services here and we just want to do right by you. But at the end of the day, wherever we get the best offer for our future and for our team, um, we're going to go with that offer, but just know that you have my word that I will try my best to get you to Miami. Boom. Easy conversation right there. It's done. And he should be able to understand that. But there's a lot of media leaks and agent leaks, and it's just making a lot of people look bad in this situation. Um, I don't hold anything against Damian Lillard because of the, the teams that the front office put him around, put around him. And like the continuous failures that they've had in the postseason, and you know they they should have they shouldn't have let Terry Stotts go. Like he was a great coach, and they should have re-signed, you know, the Nicholas Batum and uh, Wesley Matthews teams, and like kept Lamarcus Aldridge, or did their best to keep Lamarcus Aldridge because that team was like their best chance of of making the NBA Finals. I thought honestly, I personally want to see him in a Heat jersey. You know, seeing those Heat teams make the NBA Finals during the bubble year and then this past year, you know, they're talent-wise, they're undermatched against all those other teams that they beat. Uh, so adding a guy like Damian Lillard would definitely elevate them and then make them a strong contender in the East. Uh, moving on here as far as free agency goes, uh, so Kyrie Irving re-signed with the Dallas Mavericks three years, 
126 million dollars um, I think most of that was guaranteed also um, there was some incentives as far as uh, games played and then team success you know the the Mavericks had to this was the only team that was going to sign Kyrie to this kind of money uh, but they had to sign him. They were desperate because they had to keep a second star with Luca, and it honestly it, it cratered with uh, Kyrie Irving as soon as he arrived in Dallas. Was that you know they started off okay, but you know they had some great scoring um, outputs there together, but um, they just cratered as a team and they fell out of the playoffs. You know they didn't make the playoffs together. So you know we'll see a full. Uh, off season of training camp and everything and then see how everything kind of gels together see if they're able to build you know strong chemistry together um but you know dallas had no way out of this because of the assets that they, they traded for Kyrie originally um, they can't let him walk for nothing you know there was a rumor about towards like right before he re-signed with uh the mavericks was that he was going to sign with um the 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 Suns. He was going to meet with the Suns. Like, okay, well, why would you want to play with KD again after you just did this whole thing with with Brooklyn and KD, and then it fails? It's like, oh, okay, let's go try it in Phoenix now. So, um, but yeah, we'll see. That that had to happen. Um, and then Chris Middleton re-signing with the Bucks for three years, one hundred two million dollars. Um, so they keep their their number two behind Giannis. I really liked what the Lakers did. They signed. Uh, Gabe Vincent, three years, three, $33 million. Um, they brought back D'Angelo Russell, which, you know, I think is a great re-sign because they could either use him as uh, a trade piece for that contract if, you know, they're playing him for most of the season and, you know, they're struggling or he's struggling. You know, they could easily move that contract. Um, I don't think they had another option as far as point guard goes. And, I mean, he looked bad against Denver, and um, I thought he was for sure done, that they were going to do, like, a sign-and-trade. But they brought him back. They brought back uh, Rui Hachimura, and then they also they brought um, Austin Reeves back. And then, so they brought most of their guys back, and then also brought in um, uh, Gabe Vincent, who will definitely help him as far as point guard position goes. Uh, the Houston Rockets made some some odd moves, I thought. Uh, they brought in Fred Van Vliet on three-year, $130 million contract, and then also brought in Dylan Brooks for $80 million for four years. Um, and, you know, I don't, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what Houston's doing, um, you know, because there was, like, I forgot what the stat was, but it was like the stat was like the, the player that, make, that shoots the most threes and then misses the most or something. He has like the lowest three-point percentage or some shit like something like that right and it was Fred Van Vliet and then the player right above him was Dylan Brooks so they had like the worst the two most inconsistent three-point shooters on the same team and then you have your young guys there like I don't know what you're doing with like Jabari and then Kevin Porter and you know you have all these guys and then you have Ime Udoka new coach they were going to bring in James Harden which might have been a rumor because then he had requested a trade from the Sixers and he wanted to go to the the Rockets, so he opted in on his deal with Philadelphia. And now there's like they're trying to find a trade partner, but I haven't heard any news really about this James Harden trade. So he might end up staying in Philly. Like he might have, um, you know, kind of played his overplayed his hand because he 
he was upset with how Daryl Morey was handling the contract situation, and so then he he demanded a trade, but he still hasn't been traded, and there's been no there's no been no talks. I've just heard that um, the Clippers were interested, and then maybe they send back Paul George, um, and then you have but that doesn't that's not really a good duo. That's a weird duo. If if they had Kawhi Leonard and Paul and not Paul George and uh, James Harden, that would be an odd duo. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what what situation that is there. Um, it seems like Embiid is trying to communicate with James Harden and say, hey, you, you know what, you should stay here because you know, I think we could win a championship. But um, I think Harden ends up staying in Philadelphia, honestly, because there's, there's just not a, like a realistic trade partner besides Houston um, and maybe the Clippers. But it, I would only do the Clippers if they kept both Paul George and... Kawhi Leonard because that would be a good three but I don't think you can like pair Harden with just with Kawhi Leonard like that's a weird that's a weird duo that I don't think works um another move by the Lakers was Cam Reddish uh, two-year deal there um and then they lose Dennis Schroeder though which I didn't like so the Raptors signed uh Dennis Schroeder another move that the Mavericks made that I really liked was Seth Curry Seth Curry plays really well with um with like ball dominant players, so he played really well with Joel Embiid. You know he was great in that in that system in in Philadelphia. I thought they sh- never should have gotten rid of him. Um, so now he'd be playing with the ball dominant guy in uh, Luca, and he he's great off ball. Um, he hits his shots. He he knows his points on the court where he's most effective, um, and he's really carved out a great career for himself. Honestly, um, and he's a really good shooter. Um, he's reunited with with uh, Kyrie Irving. They played together at Duke and then also played together in Brooklyn. So I, I, I love that signing by uh, by Dallas. Oh, another signing I really liked was by Memphis. They brought in Derrick Rose, uh, who played college basketball at Memphis. Uh, he's a veteran point guard. His game, or John Morant's game, was really compared to, his explosiveness was compared to Derrick Rose. Um, so it's a good sign because, you know, as we know, John Morant needs some guidance. He needs some veteran leadership. So the Grizzlies brought in Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart, <clears throat> two veterans who've been in the league for a long time. Uh, but Derrick Rose especially would be is a great signing because they play the same position. He played in Memphis, might know all the spots, and then also, um, you know, he's been around a long time. So maybe John Morant could look at him as a mentor, uh, former MVP, and I just love the signing. So it shows that Memphis is actually invested in John Morant's um, future and his uh, him, you know, staying right, staying straight on and off the court. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, Wembanyama um, with the San Antonio Spurs summer league debut. You know, he had like nine points and like seven rebounds, and a lot of people were calling him a bust already. But then, you know, I didn't like that he came out and said like he didn't really know what he was doing out there. He was kind of lost. Like, okay, like you, you just can't say stuff like that, you know, because it's summer league. Most of these guys aren't even going to be playing basketball this next year. You know, they're all fighting for their lives and their careers. So, you know, they're gonna he's gonna get their best effort for sure. And it was a lot of pressure. You know, people on ESPN were saying, was it? Adrian Wojnarowski, he said that he's the best prospect of all time in any sport. And I'm like, okay, pump the brakes. Like, LeBron was one of the best prospects of all time. Like, there's been many other pro Like, Kareem was a great prospect. Uh, this is a 19-year-old kid from France, you know, just came from the United States. 
Um, he was doing a lot of, you know, like press junkets and like a lot of publicity and stuff like that. And there was a lot of hype. Like there were so many people at the summer league game. So of course he's probably nervous. And I think he was more nervous than anything. He was uncomfortable. He doesn't even know. He, they've had two practices. He doesn't know any of the guys on his team really. Um, but he showed flashes. Like he showed some handles and where he drove to the basket and he did a crossover and then dunked it. Like that was that was amazing. He had some great defensive presence there because he's seven five. He's a giant, so he can block a lot of people. Um, but it's gonna be a work in progress. Like I think he's gonna be a great player. I don't I don't think he's gonna be like a LeBron. I don't even think he's gonna be like a Tim Duncan, honestly. But if he can be like seventy percent of what Tim Duncan was, you know, win two three championships, like sure, yeah, that's still a Hall of Fame player, but. It's not going to live up to the hype of what people are giving him. And that's fine, you know, but it's just people get so caught up in what he can be in, like, his athletic nature. But he, he handles like a guard. He could shoot threes. He could shoot, um, you know, mid-range shots. And obviously his defensive presence is amazing, and he could run the floor. So he could do so many things. But I, I just hope that, you know, since we're in the small ball era that, um, you know, and, and his, second, his second game he had – 27 points and then the Spurs decided to shut him down so he kind of shook off some of that doubt after that first game but I mean people are overreacting off the first game you know giving him doubt like doubting him it's calling him a bus like come on it's the first game and also it's the summer league and then the second game saying oh he's going to be amazing because of the second game like calm down it's the summer league so don't overreact and don't don't react any way with the summer league because it's just the summer league. So I want to see him against real competition. But um, to finish my previous point was that I hope since we're in the small ball era that you know I don't and I don't think Pop will do this, but I hope they don't have him trying to play like you know a Kevin Durant like you know where he's shooting threes all the time. Like he can shoot threes every now and again, but I want him to play more like more like a Jokic where you know he's run the floor here and there but they have a point guard that they trust and he kind of sets up the offense and then you know you pass it to Wemby down low and then he could either do a post move or he could shoot a jumper every now and again jumper but don't rely too heavily on the jumper and then get other guys involved with your with your excellent passing you know that's what I hope that they do instead of kind of like the first and second game he was kind of playing like out in the perimeter too much and I really like that like Dude, you're seven five. If someone gives you the ball, the ball in the low block, like what are these defenses gonna do to you? Like you're a giant. You're so big. If you just have like a couple post moves, like one or two simple post moves, like you can be deadly right there. You could easily get fifteen points a game like that. And then you add that the three point element to your game and the fast break ability that you have to your game. Boom! Right there, you got twenty five points a game right there. Easy, right? So I just hope that they're able to evolve his game offensively because I think that part of his game will take a little longer because, you know, he just came from France, a different playing style and everything. But they need to put him, you know, under the rim basically for that defensive presence. They really need that defensive presence right there, right? And then I think everything else will come. That shot will come. The shot will be more consistent. He has a nice shot, but he needs to be more consistent with it, right? Um, but yeah, I don't, like him, I don't like seeing him out, you know, out on top of the key or out of the three-point line too much like sometimes fine but you know at a, for a certain point like you, you're gonna start needing to run some pick and rolls and and get him involved in the other ways like that but you know i think he's he's shown a lot of flashes for sure um i think he's gonna be a great player but we just need to give him time like they're not gonna be good 
like this year he's not going to be an all-star level player this year like that's just crazy to think that because he's like i said he's 19 years old like come on let him be 19 let him he's going to make some mistakes in the league he's going to have some growing pains but luckily greg popovich says re-sign him to a five-year contract he's gonna be 80 years old at the end of this contract um but so he's sticking around for Wembanyama. see what see what he has in him and help develop him and um hopefully by then you know I think that's a good timeline, like five years, like that's when he could probably be like a, a, a top level player, like all star at least, like he can he can do that in five years, but to think he's gonna do that this year or even next year, like that's crazy. Like give him I would say give him like four to six years, honestly, to like be consistent and to really adjust to um to to NBA basketball. Like 'cause with with Luca it's different. Like Luca was like, he was playing professionally since he was, like, 13, and he was, like, winning championships and doing all this stuff. Like, I feel like it's different because his, his, his style of play can translate easily. With Wemby, it's a little bit different, and it's a little bit more, like, he has to adapt a lot more. But but I think it's good. I, I think um, we just need to not overreact to summer league games because it's just summer league, so who cares? Uh, but that's all I have for this week's episode. Thank you for joining me. Um, We'll be back next week. I'm trying to be consistent with it again, but I appreciate you listening. Thank you.